Hello and welcome to all in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian and we're doing another meeting tonight. And tonight we have Danielle and Brian Z all the way from Sunday. And Tom and Shane and Amy and Matt and of course Jeff. And tonight Danielle has our topic. So Danielle, take it away. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Danielle. I'm a compulsive gambler. My last bet was July 31st of 2018. I'm excited. All right. So, um, Brian hit the nail on the head when asked, did I get that topic from the book, the blue book? And yes, I did. So the topic tonight, um, which I came up with yesterday was uh, hopelessness and addiction versus hope and recovery. So, um, I guess if it's okay, I'll just kind of share. Cool. All right. So this was based off the blue book reading from last night when I was reading it at the meeting. And it just kind of took me back to, it's like a then and now, but for me, it's more of the emotional side of it. Um, So when I was gambling, I really didn't think I could stop. You know, I got to the point where I was just constantly like, my brain didn't want me to stop. No matter how much I tried, to say, I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it today. I'd end up being on my phone. All right. I'd say, I'm not going to go overdraw my account. I'm not going to go max out the credit card. And I would overdraw my account or max out the credit card. It was like, I just felt so down and felt very alone. And I don't, you know, I, I look back and go, why did I feel alone? Because I have family members that are in GA or have been in GA. And had I, looked and reached out to those people, I think the hopelessness might have been slightly less. However, in my own world, I just felt so alone and just like this terrible person who was never going to get better and who didn't deserve to be cared about by my family or my husband and who everyone was just going to hate because that's how I felt about myself. And I just, I was very down. Um, I remember dealing, I deal with depression and anxiety, but it was significantly worse during my active addiction. Um, and then, and then I got into recovery and I joined GA and I went to the meeting and that first meeting, I felt hope. It was the first time I had felt some type of positive feeling in a long time because I felt like people understood me. And again, I'll go, I'll say it again. I had people that I know would have understood me, but no matter what I wanted to do, I couldn't do it. I wanted to reach out. I wanted to call that 1-800-GAMBLER number like a million times. Just like when I was suicidal years before, I wanted to be able to take myself to the hospital. I just couldn't do it. I was just in this point where I was stuck. And when I showed up at the meeting, my dad took me to my first meeting. I met my my now sponsor today. And immediately we had a connection. And, And to be honest, I didn't really know who I was going to find in those meetings, if I was going to know anyone, that was a little scary. But then I got in there and I'm like, wow, these are good people and they have a problem just like I do, but they're smiling and they're laughing. And I was not. However, I felt that if I was going to continue, I could get to that point. Right. And that's where I am today. I, we had a new person um, last Thursday night and you know, they come in very upset. Everyone comes in very upset, but we all have done that. And we're laughing and joking around and everything like that. And to be honest, it was, I think it's a mix of two feelings. 
it's awesome to be able to do that. But at the same time, it's important for me to remember how I was feeling back then and the hopelessness that I was feeling because that hopelessness is a feeling I don't want to feel again. And if I continue to do my recovery, then God willing, I won't feel that again. However, if I don't come to meetings and I don't do these things, I'm going back. There's no way around it. And there's no way around it for any of us if we just stop doing it. So I have hope for the future now. Um, I know I can't look too far ahead because then you get yourself into also not a good spot. But I have I have hope. I feel love. And, and I'll end with this. And I said this on our um, on mine and Tiff's thing, which was gambling took away my ability to have emotion. It took away my ability to feel love and feel loved and have the feeling of loving others. Right. So I would say I love you. However, those feelings, those emotions connected to those words were not probably not there. Not probably not. Definitely not. Cause I was so numb. And now I can say, I love you and feel it and have those emotions and, and accept feeling loved from others. Um, and that's the hope that I have in recovery. Uh, so that's my, my share. Uh, I'm grateful to have everyone on here. Hi, Andre and everyone else. And, um, if anyone has any questions or comments, they shall, they can ask. Otherwise, pick, I'll pick the next person. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, Greg Chair, especially the last part. Uh, where did you feel the uh, the numbness uh, yeah, come into place and, uh, yeah, when you spoke on that? And why did you feel that? Um, yeah, thanks, Andre. Um, you know, I was, I wanted to be numb in some ways, but then in other ways I did not. So it was a very hard mix. Um, I wanted to be numb because I didn't want to deal with life. Uh, and I literally had no, again, I, you know, the, the words, I love you go around my household a million times a day, every time I get on the phone with my parents, but I really just feel like I just wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't present in the moment. And I couldn't actually feel those emotions to say, I love you. Like I would never not say it, but I don't think I was, not that I never, not that I didn't love my parents during that time and love my husband, but it's not the same love that I have for them now because now I can feel that and now I can be present in the positive aspects of life that I wasn't present for before because I didn't want to be. Um, I think I originally numbed, I, I originally did it to just escape boredom and all that. And then it turned into just not wanting to feel anything uh, and dealing with depression um, that also goes along with that. And I wanted to just numb away from my depression as well, which ultimately just made it worse. So it was just a big cycle. So I hope that answered your question. Thank you. Anyone else? Or I'm going to go pick Amy. Hi, everybody. This is Amy. My last bet gambled was January 28th, 2020. I was, uh, kind of hoping you weren't going to pick me, Danielle, because I feel like I have like the exact same story. And I was actually going to kind of talk about the exact same thing. Um, I just related to so much of what you said. And um, I think my story is a little bit different in the fact that um, I have such a long relapse history. It's like, <clears throat> you know, I think I started, I think I crossed that invisible line into um, compulsive gambling, probably about 13 or 14 years ago. Um, and I have 
you know, I thought so many times I'd go to the casino and I'd be like, this is the last time I'm never doing it again. <clears throat> and then inevitably I would just go back. And I have to say, I have, <clears throat> there's been a period in my life, probably not even that long ago, maybe a year ago where um, I honestly thought that I would never ever be able to recover from gambling addiction. It, there's been periods of my life because of that thought that I, I mean, I've contemplated suicide before. That's been quite a long time ago, but because I've had so many instances of relapse, I just, um, I thought that there was no way I could do it. So for the last several years, the people in my life closest to me, um, they thought that I hadn't gambled in years. Um, because I lied about it. Um, I was kind of living a double life. Um, and I even lied to my therapist. I mean, <laughs> the one person that you really shouldn't, um, and actually two therapists, because I was in a, a couples counseling too, before I got married. And then also just my individual counselor, I lied to, um, therapists I was paying. I lied to, um, family members. I lied to, uh, friends, uh, just everybody. And I, it was a really dark place because I, I just wasn't, um, I just really didn't think I was going to kick it. So I just thought I just need to hide it. And <clears throat> I don't feel that way anymore. Um, and I think the big reason is that I, other times I thought that I was serious about gambling, but I think I really had to, to look inside and decide what kind of life I wanted um, you know, for the rest of my life, did I want to have a happy life and stay married, um, you know, to the person of my dreams? Did I, uh, want to have a house that I just bought and have vacations and, and just have simple joys too, because I wasn't ever having any kind of simple joy. Um, but now it's like, I, I look at, you know, a tree or a sunset and a flower, and I just see so much beauty in so many things. And I think what's different this time, why I finally feel like I have a little bit of hope, because like I said, I really had to make a decision. Was I going to let something like a gambling addiction kill my entire existence? I mean, you know, we only get one life, or at least that's kind of what I believe. Um, maybe reincarnation is a real thing, but I have wasted so many years of my life. And it's just you know, I, I've also had a history of depression, Danielle, but it, it's really, I think, just the ongoing um, gambling, not telling people when I was having difficulty, when I still went back out. Um, it, I just wasn't, I wasn't asking anybody for help and any of those people would have helped me. I just was so ashamed because I had told people so many times, I'm not gambling again. This was my last time. Um, and so it's been... I've been a little bit more hopeful this time because I am committing to every single day doing something for gambling recovery every day. So it could be uh, one of these Zoom meetings, which I totally love these meetings. It's a lot. Um, it's really convenient to just turn on your computer and there's a meeting. Um, I've also listened to podcasts more frequently and Danielle and Tiffany's podcast in particular that I just resonate with so much because my story is very similar to both of theirs. Um, you know, if I don't go to a meeting, if I don't listen to a podcast, I'll journal, I'll work through the steps. I have committed to at least a minimum of 
you know, 15 minutes a day, which most of the time it's usually at least an hour. So um, I think that's really helped uh, because I got to say that the GA meetings that I've gone to in the past, the people that were typically there and were there every week were people that went to GA for the first time, kind of like what Danielle talked about, and they did it. And they've been gambling free for five, 10, 25 years. And so I just, I felt like there was something really wrong with me. I just didn't understand why I couldn't get it. And really, I think it's just being connected to some group and also kind of um, echoing what Danielle said, just feeling like you're worth it. I think it's the first time I feel like I'm worth it to have a happy, joyful life. Um, and I have to say, you know, being over seven months, it's, it just gets better and better and better. And, uh, you know, when I write things like that down in my journal and there could be a day that I'm struggling, I go back to my journal and I say, wow, this is how good it feels um, to be gamble free. So anyway, that's what I got today. Um, anybody have any questions or anything? Amy, with the, um, the phase you were talking about, you know, lying to counselors, family and everyone else, did anyone, did anyone ever call you out and sort of say, oh, are you sure? Or, you know, something along those lines. And I mean, how did that make you feel if that happened? Actually, that's a, that's a really good question. And um, I think I'm just a really, really good liar because probably for three years, mm. nobody had any idea. Um, I hate to think I'm a really good liar. I have a master's degree in psychology. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I picked up on, you know, um, manipulating people. It's not something I'm proud of, but no, they didn't for, there's been periods of my life where they definitely did, but no, for the last three years, I, I was pretty convincing and they had no reason to really think otherwise. I really, it was almost like I was two people. Like I would go gamble. I'd feel terrible on the drive home. And then I'd walk in and talk to my wife and act like I was a totally different person. Like, you know, I would make something up like, Oh yeah, I went out to whatever. And, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Didn't happen. Uh, Amy, just going off of kind of the counseling thing, like Shane asked, um, I also lied to my therapist um, and see other people saying yes. Um, but you know, I, I lied to him and I, you know what? I didn't necessarily lie. I never told him and he never knew. And I have been on and off with him for, except for one small period of time for since 2011. And I had been with him basically for, that whole time, except for maybe about a year and a half when I did EMDR therapy with someone else. And he was in shock because I was able to hide it so good. Like, I didn't know if you got that same reaction from your therapist. Did you ever tell your therapist? And if you did, what was their reaction when you did tell them? Did, did they look back and go, oh yeah, I probably saw that. Or you hit it so well, like I did, that they had absolutely no clue. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've seen my therapist for many, 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 many years, long before actually the gambling even started because I did have a history of depression too. Um, you know, my therapist, uh, you know, tries to practice that equanimity where she's not really showing a whole lot of emotion, doesn't like to be shocked, but yeah, she was, she was pretty surprised for sure. She, she knew I had one slip up in that like three year period. Um, but I, I mean, I probably went 200 times to the casino in that period, not just once. So um, she was pretty surprised. She told me that she was. So, excuse me, Amy. Was she was she a therapist that had a specialty in gambling addiction? 
No, she actually wasn't. I did have several um, like different outpatient counselors I've been to along with her. She was more of, um, you know, really looking back on childhood and seeing like what things in childhood affected my decisions today and how I could, you know. Yeah. And the reason why I ask that is because I think that therapists that deal a lot with patients in recovery from gambling, it wouldn't be surprising to them. I mean, I think they know we all lie. We all lie and we're good at it. And it's funny that you mentioned um, about your, um, you know, your, your uh, degree in, in psychology and, and, and so on. And how did you become such a good liar? I remember the first time I spoke in front of lawyers because I was a lawyer for over 30 years and it just clicked to me that, you know, I, I don't like to make lawyer jokes in front of lawyers, you know, but... I will say that um, not necessarily lying, but I I was trained in manipulating the facts in order to argue for a certain position that I didn't necessarily believe in. But my role was to, you know, take the position of, of a client. So I I you know I ever since that sort of bell went off, I thought, man, that was that was perfect for me. I was such a good liar because I was used to being so convincing about something that I didn't believe in. And it wasn't a very big leap to be able to use that to hide my gambling. So it's crazy. But yeah, I was, I was nodding my head, Danielle, about lying to the therapist. I, I lied to my psychiatrist. It paid off because I told him that my problem was insomnia. So he, he gave me Valium to sleep at night, Adderall, to wake up in the morning and that was my gambling cocktail. So it was very, very cool. Terrible. It, it almost killed me. But at the time I thought, wow, that's awesome. I love going to a therapist or a psychiatrist. That's why I love these meetings because now I feel a little bit less crazy because Jeff and Danielle lied to their therapist too. So um, that's why these meetings are great because the craziest things you could think of, people relate to it. Um, I am going to pick Shane. All right. Thank you, Amy. Um, Shane, compulsive gambler, last bet in August 2019. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in this topic and the shares already. Um, it's going into a very interesting space. I'm, I'm going to flip it as, as an interesting, given how we spoke about it at the outset as to the title of the topic. I've found... I found I found hope in gambling, and I found hopelessness in recovery. Uh, so, um, you know, very similar to you, Amy. I've flipped from recovery to addiction to recovery to addiction so many times. Um, and and why I say what I just said is that I definitely found hope in gambling, but the hope was in all the wrong things. I mean, it was the hope that I would win, the hope that I could avoid everything that was going on in my life. The hope that it would be fun. There was a lot of hope. It was just all bad hope, um, if I can put it that way. And then, uh, you know, conversely for me, hopelessness. I, why I say hopelessness in recovery is that hope doesn't just happen. Um, you know, there's many things, don't get me wrong, there's many things that you can be hopeful about and it can create hope. But if you don't work on those things that, um, probably draw you to gambling in the first place, you can still feel hopelessness through through recovery. Uh, so, you know, until you've had taken that deliberate time to address those things that 
um, you know, ultimately weigh you down or you're not happy, happy within your life. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's always that opportunity that you do slip into hopelessness and, and obviously that's something that uh, I, I felt many times has been the thing that draws me back into gambling. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's probably a twist on the topic, but I think just reinforcing for me the importance of, um, you know, working on yourself and finding those things to be hopeful about and, um, you know, how big a part of recovery that truly is uh, in the overall cycle. So um, that's probably my share tonight. I don't have too much more to add than that. Um, but if anyone has any comments or questions, I'll pause for a second. And I just want to comment. Uh, that's, I never thought about it like that. When you just said that, that like opened my eyes to another way to look at it, especially the hope in gambling in that your hope was in the wrong spots. That really like, that's powerful right there. So thank you. No problems. No problems. Um, I will pass it on to, uh, let's go to Brian. Brian H. Brian H. Brian H. It's Hatch, Shane. Okay. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, Shane, I'm, I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad you passed it to me because I, I was going to comment. I was like, I'll just save it from my share. Uh, Brian H. Compulsive Gambler, last place to bet in 2014. Um, I felt the same way. I, Danielle put up the topic and I was like, I was trying to think of, did I feel hopelessness? But no, I always felt hopeful I was going to win. Win like I that's was always the next. I was like, all right, I lost. That sucks. It sucks, but I'm going to win, and I'm hopeful I'm going to win. Or something else in life is going to be really cool and come along and get me out of this. Right? It was all to get out of it. And I I don't remember ever feeling hopeless until that very last morning when I left the casino and I was like, what the f do I do now? where does this and that's not necessarily recovery but that's where my abstinence started and that was the feeling that i couldn't get out of like what do i where is this going i have no idea what i'm gonna do i mean i was a single man and i was stuck in las vegas when i walked out of that casino for the last time i was like where am i gonna go what am i gonna do how the hell do i get out of this where's my life headed now uh but when i was gambling even a loss, I never felt like, oh, where is this going? What's going to happen now? Even when I went to GA for the first and second time, I walked in there and I didn't feel overwhelmed with anything. I enjoyed everybody, but I just felt like, all right, this is a different avenue and I'll go down this avenue. All right, this isn't what I'm in for. I'm going to go back to gambling. And there was never any hopelessness. It was always something's going to come along and save me, whether that's me winning or some other something coming into my life to, to fix it. And I was chasing dreams and stuff too. So I always thought, oh, maybe something will work out there. Um, I mean, I felt angry and I felt maybe lost, but not hopeless. I, I was always hopeful of a better life through whatever avenue I could find it. Uh, and then entering recovery and, and stopping gambling and just feeling like, well, where the hell am I going to go? What am I going to do? How does this work? And, you know, I, I'm one of those people who had a bailout. I filed bankruptcy. So it took a long time to get through and it was stressful. Um, but when it happened, there was a little bit of hope again of like, all right, that took care of that. And now I need to take care of me. So what am I going to do? And that's probably where, you know, once, I mean, it was two years after I stopped gambling before that bankruptcy went through. So there were some years of stress, but that's where I felt hopeless. Cause I was like, 
I didn't know my wife then, you know, I didn't have a kid then. Like, where, what am I doing? I just tried to conquer my dreams. I moved to do that. Now I didn't. Now I'm in North Carolina with um, a shitty job again, sleeping on my friend's couch. <laughs> what the hell is this? This isn't recovery. This sucks. Who wants to do this crap? Um, but you, you grind it out. And that's, you know, we've talked about topics before in here where it's like, do you tell people? And I made sure then that everybody around me knew because I was not going to gamble again after that bunch of crap so i see what you mean shane that's a that's a really good way to put that because it was just so hopeless in recovery and i you know i kind of forgot about that until you mentioned it and this topic came up and now i see sort of like these new people in the private meetings and other meetings where they come in and they're like how long do i have to do this what am i gonna do do i solve all my problems today am i gonna feel good and no it takes time and it sucks, but it's better at the other end. It's definitely better at the other end. I mean, everything I've, everything I've done, everything is, I, I'm much, much, much better of a person now than I ever was before. Um, and I do, I do feel hopeful. I had a good day today. I got some good news and stuff today. And it's, it, I forgot what that's like just to sort of get a little bit of good news. Like, oh, I feel good. Puts a little pep in my step. And that doesn't, happened and i mean never happened when i was gambling you'd get a win and you'd be like woohoo but you gave it back and that was the end of that so uh it's a great topic danielle thank you so much and shane that was a good twist and it really opened up my mind so thank you oh and i guess next uh i'll pick jeff since he texted me and said pick me oh and i did that for a reason because when you were sharing about always feeling that oh i'm gonna i'm gonna get that next big win it, it, that is such a foreign concept to me when I look back at my gambling. Um, and maybe it's, it, it, I'm sure it wasn't like that for a number of years in my gambling, but the last at least 10, you know, I always say that the, the section in the GA combo book that I never was able to relate to was what is the dream world of the compulsive gambler? Because for the last 10 years of my gambling, I had no dream world. Uh, there was not a win big enough to solve my problems financially, emotionally, spiritually, and, and, you know, in every aspect of my life. I was just a robot gambling to numb myself. So there was no hope. No hope. I mean, yeah, when, when you selected the topic, Danielle, I just, hopelessness in addiction, that was me. But what did I do? I had an exit plan that did give me some sense of comfort. And that exit plan, you know, sadly involved me ending my life when I got caught. And it was a question of when, not if. And, you know, again, looking back at it, at it. It's so insane that that was my, you know, that, that was the thing that gave me my comfort. Maybe it gave me my hope because the pain would finally be over. And, um, you know, it wasn't about anything else. Now, when I came into, you know, when I did get caught and entered recovery, went to my first meeting, I do remember hearing, you know, for the first time people, they say like-minded people, right? People that had experiences like me. You know, sometimes I think about it. I mean, I, you know, I don't consider myself a very naive person. So why did I not think about if there were other people that were experiencing the same kinds of issues that I was when I was at my worst in gambling? I never, real, I, I never really 
thought that that was going to be the case. I thought I was individually, uniquely insane and that nobody could have possibly have the same thoughts that I did. So, um, so when I did hear some of the things, I think that was, that definitely added to the hope. And, um, you know, of course I, you know, I've shared my story before when about, you know, coming clean to my kids and the fact that they responded with compassion and, and didn't abandon me, that gave me hope. So definitely hope in recovery. But, um, I did want to go right after you, Brian, because I, I wish that I had that fantasy when I was gambling, because at least, even though it was a fantasy, at least for that period of time that I was experiencing that fantasy, it would have been nice. I was just miserable all the time. I mean, when I wasn't miserable, I was numb. So um, it was just horrible. And maybe, you know, as I'm thinking about it, and I always talk about the fact that I was one of the people that haven't really struggled with urges. And I think this all plays into it. Um, I didn't have an urge to gamble because my memory of gambling was painful. I don't remember feeling good. I, I, I mean, I know I love to gamble because I did it for so many years. And I, and I remember there were times about the excitement and the whole dopamine rush. But when I look back at it, I just see those last years of me having the weight of the world on my shoulders and gambling was, was horrible. So, um, yeah, last thing I'll say about it, hope, hope is right here, right in this room. That's where the hope is, right? So I will, uh, thanks for the comment, Jeff. I'll uh, go ahead. Oh, and, I have a question, uh, I have a question uh, or a comment. Um, yes, Amy. Thank you Amy, for saving gonna, me. I, I definitely related to a lot of what you were talking about, Jeff. And I, I just wanted to add that um, it's never about a big win or the, you know, the dream world. It was being able to perpetuate the numbness, winning enough money to stay longer and longer and longer and perpetuating that numbness and that, that escape. Because once you leave the casino, you know, I was just like back in reality and I didn't want to be there. So great share. Thanks. Thank you. Am I allowed to pass it on now, Brian, since you're obviously directing this uh, meeting? Uh, <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, despite his name, I like the guy, Brian Z. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, it's a decent name. Hey, uh, Brian Z, Compulsive Gambler, last bet, May 26, 2020. Uh, thanks for having me filling off the bench on Wednesday night. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so, yeah, I just thought of a story that related to hope, and I would always get my hope up really, really high when I would go gambling. I would take out X amount of money and be like, this would last me this amount of time. I'd be really bummed out if it went, if it took, uh, if, it, if it disappeared faster than I wanted it to, because all of a sudden, as few people have alluded to, and Danielle said it first, that feeling of being numb was a lot of what I looked for in gambling. I just wanted to escape it, be away from everything, and just get caught up in my own little world. So I remember this time where I had this brilliant idea that I blew all my money after I had driven to Atlantic City, because I was excluded from the casinos in Pennsylvania. So driving to Atlantic City an hour and a half away made logical sense. And I blew the money I had taken out there way quicker than I thought that I would. And so I said, well, you know what? It's like 4 p.m. and there's a 
Thursday night football game at 8.30. So if I use this credit card and put this money on this game, then I'll drive home. Odds are this team will win. I'll be good to go. And the hope would be perpetuated from 4.30 to 8.30 till the end of the game. Now, once you know it, I got home to watch the game and go through this, um, this hope frenzy and hope that I could at least win something back and make something of the day. And within 15 minutes, the top running back of the team I had placed a wager on got hurt, was out for the game. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So the hope was dashed pretty quickly. But with this topic, I relate a lot to um, what Shane was saying in the fact that gambling would give me hope. I would have the hopes that something good would happen. Now in recovery, I think of it a little bit differently. I have to keep, if you on your, on your gas tank in your car, you have your full, you have your empty, and you have your somewhere in between. And I have to keep my hope meter as close to full as I possibly can. When I came to GA in April of 2019, I didn't want to spend one more dollar because I wanted to make sure our wedding in August happened. And so I had hope that I could stop the problem I was having, but I also had other motivation. So fast forward to November, and I'm having a really, really rough patch in my marriage early on. And, you know, all my hope was was dashed, and it caused me to relapse during that time. And it was because I didn't have hope for anything. So I just, I didn't care. You know, and then I got myself back up on my feet and was feeling good. Um, And I think a lot of people listening can relate to the fact that, you know, quarantine ripped a lot of things away from me. I was more hopeful for my birthday on March 15th than I had ever been. We were going to go to a Sixers game that Saturday night. We had all kinds of plans. And wouldn't you know it, my birthday was the day the entire world shut down around here for three months. I mean... I hadn't gone to church and been involved until I got to GA. And I was like, yes, church and the, the, the school for the kids is on my birthday. This is going to be great. Nope, canceled, workout canceled, everything canceled. And so I motivated myself by running. I had hopes I'm going to be able to run this much. I'm going to keep myself in shape. And as things went on longer and longer, I had more free time. I got more and more bored and and I lost hope that anything was ever going to to end and so I I started gambling in May and my last bet is May 26th because I just I just went off the the deep end and I was like at the end I was so hopeless from gambling I'm like this is this is totally pointless so what do I do now I, I talked to my GA group and they gave me hope that there's there's people relapse and you can work back from that. And then the next day I called a close friend and explained to them what was going on. And they were supportive that following Monday, my gym opened back up. So I was able to start going to that again. And then little by little, I put the pieces back in. In fact, the podcast was a big piece of that because I didn't have anything going on Sunday. So that hope I used to look forward to had turned into a 40 minute streaming video that to me, I could watch any time. So getting up, getting ready and doing something on Sunday was really, really important to me. So I'm filled with hope right now because I have, you know, all of my mechanisms here, but I have to remember to keep refilling the hope tank. So this podcast helps to refill that. A GA meeting helps to refill that. A Zoom meeting, you know, a good workout, a good run. But I can't get myself complacent to the point where 
I don't keep filling myself with things that create hope because then I will potentially relapse. I'll search for that hope somewhere else. Um, so that's my take on it. And I will open it up if anyone has a question. All right. Um, I'm going to send it over to Matt. Thanks, Brian. Hey, everybody. Matt, uh, Compulsive Gambler, date of my last bet was May 4th of 2020. Um, a lot of what's what's been said resonates with me. Um, I've been typing up some notes. And really, I, I like that um, metaphor Brian just gave of, of the gas tank and having it, it being full. And, and one of the things I wrote down was, I think I still kind of had had the same emotions and range of emotions, but they were artificially skewed. So the, so the amplitude was way higher and way lower that, you know, we've talked a lot about highs being high, um, lows being extremely low. And I think it was all tied to just an artificial element that on a winning day, there was a lot of hope, everything was good. And what a bullshit thing to tie any way that you're feeling about to. One, because it's so stacked against you that you're likely always going to be on the shitty end of the spectrum. But more importantly, there's there's family, there's friends, there, there's things that are really important in life that you should be tying um, those things. Naturally, you're going to have good days and bad, but that should be tied to the things in life that really matter. And you know, to, to, to sort of describe one of those artificial lows, I really liked what Danielle said about the feeling of being alone. You know, some of those, I, I, the only way I can describe them are spirals where you had X amount in the account and being an online gambler, X amount there feeling, hey, that's, that's great. I'm 15, 20, 30 minutes later, you, you just sort of snap out of that zone and it's like, what the fuck just happened? And you feel a thousand miles away from everything. It, your family can be in the next room. Your family can be sitting right there next to you. And it's, there's this void. And that's such a hopeless feeling. But it was amazing how quickly, you know, after a sleepless night, you're sitting there in a cold sweat or I probably would have gone and drank something to, you know, knock myself out for a couple hours. But quickly to, to sort of just jump back in and, and, and chase that. So that it, it was those just huge swings of emotion that, you know, were, were devastating and so unnatural that I, I feel like the baseline is, is, is back in recovery. So there's, there's still times that I'm hopeless. A lot of what's going in the, world, in the world right now can lead to that. But you find tools to be able to deal with it. Uh, people have already mentioned podcasts. I'll listen to tons of podcasts, uh, not the ones that I'm in mean, because I don't want to hear my own voice. But um, reading the Problem Gambling Forum on Reddit, I, I'll sometimes spend several hours at a time just going through there. Um, and, and I think for me, a lot of that, um, that hope exists I said, because recovery does give you a tool set to expect and deal with the bad shit that life's going to give you. It, it's going to come up, but you don't need necessarily to escape it or to, you know, you, you deal with it. And another thing is, is to sort of, I, I, I like the bullshit meter that it's given me. I have to drive by so many damn gambling, uh, billboards and there's, there's one, you know, I won't mention any amounts, but Fandle's putting out like a huge thing right now. And I'm like, what a crock of shit. Why, did, why couldn't I see that before? That if you're willing to do this, there's got to be a huge catch. But before getting into recovery, that, that, that would have probably sucked me right back in. And so, so I, I do feel that it gives you that. And the last thing I want to touch on was 
just when I was new in, in recovery, um, I don't think I wanted to allow myself to feel hope. Um, it's, it's good that as you work through it, do allow yourself to, but at first it was like, I, I don't deserve to feel any positive feelings. I don't deserve to feel hope. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where having a, you know, a support group like this or, or GA really kind of shows you that, yes, you do. You need to take care of yourself. You need to, um, improve yourself and, and, you know, allow those, those, uh, feelings to come back in. So great topic. Um, Thank you guys for letting me share and um, I'll open it up to questions or comments. Matt, I have a comment. You, you raised something really interesting and that is feeling that you deserve to have hope. And uh, I think that's a really, a really great and accurate statement for many of us. I mean, I, I, I can relate to that. You know, I, I didn't deserve anything. I was at so low self-esteem, self-worth that even the thought as remote as it was early on, that I could recover from this um, probably was something that I didn't want to focus too much on because I felt I didn't deserve it. So I, I think that it goes hand in hand. And, and I, I never really, really focused on this directly, but I think it does. I think hope goes hand in hand with um, some level of forgiveness and the feeling that you deserve to have that hope. So that was a, a really wise comment. Thanks. Thank you. There's nothing else. So I'll pass it to Andre. Appreciate the share, Matt. And hello, everybody. Andre B. Compulsive Gambler. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is a definitely a, not only a great topic, but uh, yeah, definitely learn something from literally everybody. Uh, seems like uh, that everybody had something that spoke out uh, to me, uh, especially that hope meter, uh, Brian Z. Um, I feel like, yeah, you do have to, every time you take something uh, out, you got to put uh, some kind of hope back into your life because that was one thing, uh, just being honest, is that what I was afraid of, of uh, GA and everything is just being able to say that I'm completely done with gambling. Uh, and it was, I mean, I, the fact that I know that it is bad for me, it was just the fact that to say that I'm just completely done with something because it has power over me uh, was just tough for me. <clears throat> and uh, everybody being truthful from Jeff talking about suicide to uh, Matt, that allowing yourself to feel uh, hope um, is, is strong, which is allowing me to share and be uh, honest uh, with you guys. Uh, so last week I spoke on uh, having a counselor session. And what I didn't speak on is uh, I've been, I don't know if I told you guys, I was practicing for a half marathon. And uh, in my head, I signed up for the half marathon in June. And for two whole months, I was battling. Uh, granted, I signed up for the half marathon in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I live in Chicago. And in my head, I was uh, battling uh, yeah, to yeah, go to Vegas and have one hurrah before I uh, officially call it, call it a quits. And yeah, this is my little hidden secret that I didn't tell anybody. And uh, came last week and I, uh, well, it was actually a couple weeks ago, I let my wife know that I was, uh, that I had planned a trip. And of course I sold it as I was going to Vegas to run the marathon. 
uh, which I have been training for, waking up at 5 a.m. and actually physically training for it. But we all know it's compulsive gambling was the real reason I was planning on going to Vegas for. And so I continued to sell it to her as I was going to Vegas to run a marathon and come two days before. As a matter of fact, it was Wednesday night. Uh, uh, yeah, she just flat out told me, she said, I respect if you're going to run a marathon, but uh, I was actually going by myself and I planned for my uh, gambler friend from, uh, he lives in Texas. He was going to actually meet me out there. Uh, he used to live in Chicago with me. Uh, and um, he uh, was, he planned to meet me out there. So this is going to be two gamblers meeting in Vegas. Uh, one was planning on running a marathon. The other was coming out there to, uh, to gamble. And <clears throat> my wife said, I mean, you can run, but I'm coming with you. I don't care what the ticket costs. Uh, if you're going to go, I'm coming with you. So I had a decision to make. Should I want to go? I'm kind of ruined the trip in my head because my wife knows about the addiction. She doesn't fully know everything because she only knows what she uh, can understand. Uh, she's not like the nine of you and everybody's listening who actually has a gambling addiction. But uh, anyway, uh, I said, I'm not messing up my gambling trip. So I bought my wife a $650 ticket to come to Vegas. Uh, and I'm being truthful with you because first of all, everybody else's transparency is changed in my life. And uh, even though I'm just two days in from when I got back on Labor Day uh, and I did play out there, I did change my life and finish the half marathon uh, as well. Um, I will say if my wife didn't go, I wouldn't have ran the half marathon. Uh, granted it was on the side of a mountain uh, and took me over four and a half hours to do. That's a whole nother story and podcast. We'll do that another time. Uh, but as close as me and my wife got for me to be able to literally explain to her uh, more about the uh, gambling. Uh, and I literally came back like I didn't even do any damage. We had the best time of our life. Um, I got so uh, much closer as far as honesty and communication. Uh, but I still came back with in my head that that was still it and I'm uh, done um, and that's why it was important for me to come on tonight uh, and uh, the fact that she accepted my issue and I told her that uh, I still need help uh, getting through this um, and yeah, I may not say that it may never happen again but I am going to take this thing one day at a time because uh, that's why I said the topic is so important because the hopelessness and the addiction is uh, saying, will you ever get to those six years that uh, Brian and the 15 or 10 years that uh, Jeff and everybody has, it, or will I ever get there? But the hope and recovery is saying that one day at a time and filling that hope meter uh, that I'll eventually uh, get there and I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my life back. Uh, I'll be able to get my life back uh, and uh, be able to become myself um, uh, also, Brian said something about chasing his dreams. I had a dream of uh, being a motivational speaker and uh, doing comedy uh, five, seven years ago. Uh, I just love giving hope to people. And because of uh, gambling, that part has went away from me because I couldn't find it in myself. Uh, so how could I give it to other people? So I know uh, one thing that uh, I can find hope in with myself is taking this thing a day at a time. And as I get the time back under me uh, for uh, the recovery, because I have given up gambling, 
uh, I'll be able to pour back into my dreams and eventually, uh, yeah, maybe start a podcast years down the line or be able to give hope to other people. But whew, that took a lot out of me, and I appreciate y'all listening. Uh, any questions? I'm quite sure y'all got comments. I'm just gonna unmute just to clap. Thanks, my man. I was gonna unmute the microphone just to give you some applause, man. That was awesome. That's some forward-thinking stuff to buy your wife a plane ticket. And as Jeff said, we all fucking love your wife for saying something. <laughs> yeah, she Smart was uh, strong. She Smart said, woman. I mean, you literally be getting a divorce if you go out there by yourself because I know what's going to happen. Or, hey, I respect that you want to do the marathon, but you want to have to pay for whatever ticket was. So my ticket was 250 Hers is like $700. And I had to... Uh, that was a freaking stuff. bargain, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest bargain you made all year <laughs> it was 118 degrees out there and uh yeah another little quick story uh, uh last time i was there i literally saw somebody my age i was at a table with them started with four thousand dollars saw the man go to ninety thousand dollars and he gave it all back and it just hit me like this thing is real I never seen that well in my face before, but to go to four thousand dollars, go to ninety, and then and probably four hands give fifty five back, and uh, just give it all back literally in probably a couple hours. I just really never seen that, and uh, you know, what I'm saying all of us had different things that just hit home. It could be small or big, and hopefully this hits home to us that you just gotta uh, like to not go because your story isn't like that, but to uh, not go because you see uh, yourself in that story. So sometimes it just takes different things for each and every uh, one of us. And I think Tom K is next. Thank you, Andre. And I am last. And I think I'm going to keep my share relatively short because a lot of things have been said already, but I'm going to relate it to my story. <clears throat> uh, Tom K, compulsive gambler, last bet January 12th of this year. Um, going to be a I really liked Shane's angle in in the hope during addiction and the hopelessness during recovery but i think i'm going to talk about hope on both sides um the false hope in addiction as i think back i spent years essentially hoping that i would eventually i would get back to where i was when i first started gambling right when i first 15 20 years ago I remember the stakes that I was playing. I remember it being social. I remember I, I didn't have to hide anything. And for the remaining 10 years of my addiction, the hope was my life would restore itself to something like that. And it really went the opposite way on me, right? It, I, I started gambling larger amounts. I stopped gambling with other people. I hid from people, I lied, and truth be told, like, I didn't, I didn't want to isolate, right? I, at Jeff's story, you know, he talked a lot about wanting to numb himself and really wanting to be, wanting to be isolated. For me, that was never really the case. Like, I, I always wanted to gamble with somebody else, but I started feeling like I started to like this a hell of a lot more than everybody else, and it started to become bizarre that I would be gambling in, in the ways that I was gambling in front of everybody else or anybody else. So the only option I had was to gamble by myself and really start to hide the truth. And 
my hope was that that phase would eventually end. I didn't know how or, or what steps I would take to make that phase end, but the hope was I could always get back to the beginning. And there was really only a very short period of time where I felt hopeless, and it was at the very tail end of my gambling. The last couple of days before I sought help, I really felt like there was no other way out. I was never going to restore my, my life to, way, to the way it was 15 or 20 years prior. And what I had done to myself emotionally and financially was not solvable with gambling. And it took me forever to realize that. Um, flipping the coin to hope and recovery, um, much like Brian Hatch mentioned early on, there wasn't really that much hope. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, the hope was I just wouldn't bet that day and I wouldn't make the problem worse. Um, but it took at least 90 days, you know, maybe even longer than that to really start to develop some short-term and long-term goals that I could really feel like my life was headed in the right direction and that there was hope for a brighter future, you know, not only for me, but for those around me. Um, I had become a pretty isolated, just grumpy jerk. And without gambling, I started to realize that people smiled a little bit more when I was around. And you don't notice that when you're gambling. But, uh, you know, at home, you know, people don't dread to see you because you snap at them and, you, you know, you take out your bad days and your bad moments on them. And once you start to realize that, you realize that there is hope for, for a, a friendlier, more positive life ahead. And um, I think that's all I got. I think everything else has been said, but, you know, there is hope on both sides, you know, false hope versus real hope. That's my take on it. Nobody has any comments or questions for Tom. That'll do it for tonight. I'm, I'm just, I'm so impressed with this group of people. It's weird. It's not weird, but it's, you know, such a thoughtful bunch and it's weird to think you know however many years ago or months ago or days ago it was that we we're all in the midst of this whole thing and it's just weird to think about all these people i'm looking at on my screen in that because i don't see any of that here and i'm all every week i'm impressed by this uh it's really my favorite thing to do with this podcast is when we get everyone together and talk about this stuff and so thank you all so much for doing this uh thank you danielle for the topic brian z for being that six man off the bench and joining us tonight Tom and Jeff and Shane and Andre. Well done, Andre. Well done. And Amy and Matt, of course. I'm Brian. Thanks for listening.